Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, can a book make a difference? Yeah, duh. We welcome back Allie Harper from Our Shelves. Plus, Biz is unsure of her options. Woo! I am feeling really depleted. I feel depleted. I feel like this whole shit has been relentless. It's, it's been relentless and been really hard, and I don't even have it as hard as other people, but I am fucking exhausted. I'm exhausted. I am wiped out, and I am sad, and I am tired. And I just, I'm just so, so depleted. Depleted is how I am. And also, I just stuffed a bunch of tissue paper in my underpants because I just got my period in the car. Oh. And that's how I'm doing. Ah! Thank goodness there were tissues in the car. <laughs> wow. Tell me how you really feel. Oh, I just did not know. I did not know where that was going to go. And like you just took took us on such an incredible journey there. So, A, thank you for calling and wooing with me. B, yeah. Yeah, it's relentless. Relentless is a really good word. Relentless. It's just like, you know, having something drip on you or a smell that's relentless or a sound that's relentless where you think, I, I'd like that to be over. And then it's not. And it's just like, for, and you think, and then you begin to think like, well, I just tune it out like that time I worked at Johnny Rockets for three years. I don't even hear the songs anymore, but that's a lie. You can't really tune it out. It is. It is relentless. And I appreciate, I'm going to assume it was your child's voice, or maybe you're just standing close to children uh, having sort of a woo moment. But it's like, you have to look at me. You have to look at me. And then just a, God, I can only think of saying the cherry on top, which is just so not appropriate for what happened to you next in your car. Quick thinking. With the tissues, that was excellent response. There's nothing worse than than that happening. Getting a little visit from the ant flow, and I'm just just glad you're on the planet, man. You're doing a really good job. You know who else is doing a good job? You and you and you and you and you and you. I'm talking to you, essential workers. I am talking to you, everybody working in the healthcare industry, especially, I want to put a little spotlight on the vaccinators, the people who are lined up, giving out those vaccines, the people who are making sure those vaccines are kept safe and stored properly, and to those who are shipping those vaccines, and to those who are making those vaccines, and to the people who are getting vaccines. Hooray! 
Ray. You're all doing such a good job. Thank you to everybody who who have also been out there in the relentless storm that is this pandemic. Mail carriers, grocery store workers and employees. Also, thank you to people who are patiently waiting for their vaccine and letting those who need to get it first get it. I am one of those people who are like, I don't have any special needs for a vaccine. Okay, guys, I host a podcast. I can do it from the house. We have no family that lives near us. Stefan works in theme parks. Uh, We can wait. We are happy to wait in a line. You know what you do when you wait in a line? You bring a good book. So thank you to everybody who was also waiting. That is a really helpful way to support this whole process. And thank you, librarians and teachers. Yay, teachers, getting your vaccine. I'm so glad uh, to hear about that and people in the educational world trying to figure out how to make this smooth and possible. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone for everything. Guys, this is where I am. There have been a lot of positive updates in the news about vaccines and about numbers going down and about the world slowly opening up and things going back to normal and new options are becoming available. For example, in-person learning is trying to return to all of us. And I just want to say that I hope we can remember that just because these options are becoming available again doesn't mean that the decisions are any easier to make. For a year, we have all made different sacrifices. Some people have left their jobs so that they could stay home with their kids while their kids could not be in school. Other people have uh, multi-generations living in their house and just because the school is open does not mean it is safe to send their child back for the safety of other members of their family. And some people have set up a system that works so that they can go to work while their children learn remotely. And I don't know about you, but suddenly having to figure out how I'm driving my kids to school (laughs) to get that schedule and that routine back in order with, I mean, I just realized that like Stefan had had a day of work cut from him early. Everybody in their company did early on in the pandemic. And I started thinking about the fact that if that day returns. What is happening to my Fridays? How am I doing my show? How are we recording? What's going on with the kids if they're not back in school? (laughs) I don't know the answer. Suddenly there are new choices and new things that are coming up and we have to remember that is going to happen. And I, I just, I'm trying to be really conscious of it so that I don't beat myself up when I don't know what decision I should make. And I also put that out there so that we can keep it in our minds as we are engaging with each other and talking to each other about where we are and what we need. Uh, I don't know. You're all doing a good job. And, you know, just because your school suddenly opened up doesn't mean that it's all better. (laughs) With that said, what can make it all better is a good book. And I am so excited that this week... We are welcoming back Allie Harper, who is the founder of Our Shelves, 
which is a diverse children's book subscription box that is very dear to the one bed mother community hearts. So I look forward to hearing how that's going. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Guys, I'm so excited. This week, we are welcoming back Allie Harper, who is the founder of Our Shelves, a diverse children's book box service and advocacy effort. Allie is an attorney and community organizer who has focused on a range of social justice issues from working toward Maryland's marriage equality victory in 2012, woohoo, as president of the ACLU of Maryland, to working on voting access in 2008 as executive director of the Cleveland NAACP's early voting program. She is now focused on ensuring all kids and all families have a place on our shelves because she and so many others believe who our kids meet in their books matter. You may also remember her from such episodes as episode 282 back in 2018 and episode 332 back in 2019. And here we are on episode 395. Is that right? Woo! Welcome back Allie, it's so nice to have you back. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me back. It's great to be here. I would like to start with what we always ask all of our guests and you twice now, and it has changed up from the very first time to the second time. Let's see. Let's Let's go for magic number three. Who lives in your house? Well, so there is still me and my wife, Jen. And our daughter, Anna, who is now eight. Oh. And our son, Isaac, who is now two. And the first time I came on this show, he was just about to be born. I know. Yeah, we were like, any second now. It was our shells was being born. Isaac was being born. And getting to know you guys was being born. And let's see. And we have our, our fish, Scale. And we are expanding our family again because we have a little kitten (gasps) who will be joining our family in about a week. Her name is Uru. Is she coming in by plane? Is she she quarantining? What's happening in a week? (laughs) Well, she's a rescue kitty and they have to have a little bit of time with their foster parents. Yeah. And then, um, so we are very excited. It's it's our first cat. (gasps) Cats. I love a cat. I mean, I got three walking around in here right now being very disrespectful of the recording. (laughs) Oh, a kitten is going to be so much fun. Okay, so I want to shift to Our Shelves. You started Our Shelves, what are we coming up on, the second full year anniversary? It feels like- two years. We've been around about two years. That's amazing. Amazing. I would like you- to just for anybody who listens to the show and is not familiar with our shelves here you go i would love for you to just sum it up for everybody so i don't mess it up (laughs) (laughs) well our shelves as you said we are a diverse children's book box service and advocacy effort and we started it it came from a really personal place 
of when my wife and I had our first child, Anna. We had a really hard time finding two kinds of books. One, books with two mom families. So we knew how important it was for Anna and all kids to see books where they, their own, you know, selves and families are affirmed. And, and also, of course, we wanted to have books that showed many other kinds of kids and families because we yep. wanted our bookshelves to cultivate our values of inclusion, equity, and social justice. So we were surprised at how hard those <laughs> books were to find. And maybe I shouldn't have been, but we were. So you guys are like, nope. We're going to start a subscription service and everybody's going to get one box and then we'll be out of books. <laughs> well, it's a good, I remember you mentioning this, how I remember you saying at some point how you were wondering, could we even survive? Because they're how so cute. I mean, it's, and it's actually, it's, it's interesting. I do have an update on that front because okay, okay. we've run into, we've run into that. But to go back real really? quick to your point about being surprised and what you just said, I was, I think the reason I was so surprised, I mean, my work had been in social justice, anti-oppression work. So I knew, you know, I knew about kind of systemic oppressions, but I, I, I was surprised because the audience is so huge. And at that point I knew it kind of, when I first had my daughter, I knew it anecdotally because everyone we talked to across the country was looking for these books. Right. And now we actually know it because now with our shelves, we know the numbers. I mean, more than half the babies in this country are babies of color. Yeah. There's more than nine and a half million LGBTQ millennial parents actively consider growing their families. And there's more than 12 million millennial moms who support diverse families. So there's millions and millions. And I think that's why when we first had Anna, you know, we were just busy trying to survive as parents. Yeah. We weren't focused on this. We were trying to get what books we could. But it was actually when she, you can't really ever age out of picture books because I still read picture books. But when she started reading chapter books and reading fewer picture books, that's when my heart broke and I was devastated because I was like, here's another kid, like millions of kids who missed out on seeing herself being adequately represented in kids' books. And meanwhile, we were starting to plan for our second child. And I was like, I'm not sitting this one out. I mean, this is, the audience is here. There are solvable problems, but we need to prove, to your point, we need to prove the audience because the audience is here and it's significant, but it's currently vastly underestimated. Well, I guess that's what I wanted to ask next. Two years, you mentioned that, ha ha, you ran out of uh, books there for a second, but... (laughs) But really, have you seen the impact of what I'd like to hope is sort of a a nationwide refocusing on diversity and making sure all voices and faces are represented? Have you seen an uptick in the pipeline, as it were? Yes, I would say we definitely have. So our book boxes include racially, ethnically, and religiously diverse kids and families, LGBTQ kids and families, disabled kids and characters, you know, we run, we run the gamut of, you know, folks who are traditionally underrepresented. And we are seeing more books of traditionally underrepresented identities, but I would still say it's at the rate of a slow trickle and not commensurate at all to the sustained abundant outpouring of books that should be coming out to reflect our population. And I think our population, and not just our population, but also people's desires, because it's not just those of us who are traditionally underrepresented who want these books. It's millions and millions of allied folks who have 
again, values of inclusion, equity, and social justice. So I think, I mean, that was part of the reason we chose a subscription service as our organizational model for this advocacy, because instead of kind of doing a one-time campaign on yeah. one particular book, the idea is as we continue to grow our membership, not only are our members getting receiving these books from our curation team, who are amazing, we'll talk about them in a second, but but they're also being counted when we go to publishers and advocate. We're not just saying, oh, you know, did yeah. you know that there aren't any books including X, Y, or Z characters? And we would like you to create some. But we're also there to buy those books in yeah. ever-increasing numbers to really show with actual sales the that there's opportunity here rather than risk, which it seems like right now they not across the board, it's different depending on the publisher, but in too many cases, they over-perceive risk and underestimate opportunity. And part of that is because the books that are existing, like you said, so the, the two problems that led to the founding of our shelves, one is there are not enough diverse kids' books, period. Definitely, right. to your point. But the second finding that led to our founding is that actually there are more books that exist, but they're too often too hard to find. Yeah. And, and our curation team um, is a real big part of us being able to find these books, but often they're from smaller publishers, foreign publishers. There's problems sometimes with how books are labeled. I would yeah, imagine. All, yeah. So there, so these books can be hard to find, but the problem is when they're hard to find and not enough people buy them, the sales underperform. And when the sales underperform, then the publishers, it perpetuates this false yeah. notion that there's not an audience for these books, which is not at all true. They're just hard to find. But when the publishers, when the sales underperform, the publishers then, you know, increase their perception of risk when creating more books. And so that's that's kind of, we're trying to intervene because if yeah. we can get people the books, we can also help with the sales. Well, talk to me about the curators. Talk to me, because like I come across books because of either school, my children, or guests. And I'm always like, well, I should, I need to let somebody know at our shelves. I need to let somebody know. I need to stick my nose in there and be like, have you read Zoe and Sassafras? I love that. It's not about <laughs> anything. It's just a, you know, African-American lead kid in it, right? Like, <laughs> that's all. She's a scientist, you know, or we just had the author of Black is a Rainbow Color on the other day, which is just the most beautiful book in the world. And I'm like, which has been in our boxes. I know, you love that's that so book. Good. Well, see, I'd much rather, actually, I don't know if I would rather like reach out and you guys say we already know it because <laughs> then I'm like, no, no, we need more. But how do you guys go about finding a when i shout out to any publishers listening don't forget our shelves is here i mean as a resource of where to send books when they are published but yeah how are you finding out about books so our curation team is incredible so our curation team brings together expertise from librarianship teaching early childhood development psychology, racial, and other identity-based bias, academia. It's an incredible group. It's majority people of color, majority LGBTQ. 100% of the team has the lived experience of both being underrepresented in kids' books themselves and also having kids who are underrepresented. And, I, and it's funny because often I say who our kids meet in their books matters, which is yeah. true, but also who selects our books and reviews books I think matters a lot. Yeah. So our curation team is an incredible group. We spend a lot of time trying to find these books and then critically reviewing them. 
And we do our best. Yeah. You know, we have relationships with all of these different publishers. We also have relationships with different advocates. And, you know, some books are easier to find than others. It's a lot of word of mouth, too, with people who do reviews, you know, who are really trusted sources who do reviews of books. So it's, it's a real team effort, but it's the curation team is incredible. And really, it's to be able to connect their expertise to everyday families, teachers, yeah. librarians, healthcare providers, just everyday people who are busy and don't have the time to kind of do the often seeming like PhD level research to find <laughs> one child's book. <laughs> they, they help with that. Well, what's amazing about the concept of the box, right? This book box subscription is uh, it does meet the need of, I do not have time. I know I want this thing. But it's really hard to go out and find or make sure I know that it's that it's a good book, that it's not like, you know, one of those computer written books on how to tell time from like PJ Masks, right? Where you're like, that is not even a book. It's directly from the TV show. So that's what I mean. Anyway, I guess I want to ask, two years is still not long enough, I think, to get a full grasp on the impact of your work or just the how the nation is moving along in terms of social justice, but are there some characters that were not represented when you started that you have found still are not represented enough? Oh my gosh. I mean, I could just go A million? <laughs> forever. I mean, I, I mean, I hate to say that, but it's yeah. true. And I don't want to sugarcoat it because, I mean, we send quarterly book boxes. So once every three months, and we work really hard to curate those to exactly to your point that our books are high quality books that also feature traditionally mm -hmm. underrepresented kids and families. And I should make the point and feature them in a variety, variety of, right. of ways, because for us, it's not just representation, but it's how we're represented. I felt very strongly about this um, because when I first had my child who was a baby, you know, started as an infant, as they oh, do. Oh, did they? And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the only books, there was one board book, Mommy, Mama, and Me, that everybody had. Right. By everybody, I mean, you know, a few people who found it, but, you know, a few. Um, but that's the one that people kind of knew about. But well, there's only a that, few lesbians, right? I mean, they were just like, Two of us at the time. Yeah, it's like, yeah, a handful, <laughs> like a gaggle, a gaggle of lesbians out there. That's it. But even, I mean, even like even asking our queer friends, you know, what what books? You know, I remember someone just saying, "I know there's that one." I mean, it was like people. Some too many people literally had zero, and yeah. still today, literally have zero showing their families. And you know, it's better. But in terms of varied representation, most of the books you could find then, and even now, to a large extent are more about homophobia and bullying. And, and those books, I don't want to be misunderstood because those books are important. And I want to be clear that we need more of every kind of book. And it's also so important to say again and again that we also really need books for our families yeah. and also for families who are not traditionally underrepresented to see kids just having fun, thriving, avoiding bedtime <laughs> and throwing ice cream, you know, on the floor or like whatever it is the kids do. And it makes them really happy and laugh. You know, that's and that is what we still across identities. We yeah. still have trouble finding those books. So we're really trying to and, you know, to folks listening, it's like as we advocate in our classrooms, libraries, bookstores, 
We want to be asking for representation of all of these different identities, disability, black, indigenous people of color, you know, LGBTQ. We want to ask about the identities, but we also want to ask the next question of not just do you have a book with an LGBTQ character, for example, right. but do you have a book, a biography type book? Do yeah. you have a book um, appropriate for babies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a book with toddlers learning about potty training, you know, all the things that, you know, we need through our various stages of childhood, you know, there should be enough variety of representation that it's not just kind of one book about bullying that someone's giving to me, which people did because they knew how important representation was, gave it to me, you know, to read to an infant, which I don't want to read to my infant. No. You know, introduce my family type to my infant in a bullying context, which of course that friend understood, but it's, that's, they were trying so hard just to get representation. So we're still, I mean, that's an area where I think across the board. Um, no, that's a really good point. The, it's, not, it's not just one specific, you know, identity. It's everybody, like, it feels like, oh, well, you have that book about bullying. Isn't that enough? Right. <laughs> right? Like, right. Like, you're represented as opposed to, you know, it's like, one of the things that we've talked about forever on the show is this notion of there only being one type of parenting. And apparently uh, only one type of person gets to have the one experience of not getting enough sleep. Now, that can't possibly be true, okay? But that's the image, the picture that is presented time and time again in commercials and in magazines and on TV shows and on everything. And it's no, let's just make, let, I'm all about equality. Let's make sure we all get to see ourselves in these very mundane, no, again, normal, 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 normal is is what we want. All right. Our shelves, proactive, amazing. Uh, One Bed Mother listeners, proactive and amazing. And I know that together it is an unstoppable force. And so to our listeners, I, can you talk to us about like all, I mean, obviously I can go and subscribe. Hooray. I have done a good job. But like, what about library? How do you work with libraries? And we have a lot of librarians that listen. What about school libraries? What about t- teachers? And blah, blah, blah. Tell me all the ways that our shelves gets out there and people can support. Awesome. Well, first of all, before I do that, I will just say to your point about our shelves and one bad mother. So still, um, two years into this, one, I still hear from so many members that they learned about us through one bad mother. Cause whenever, whenever I'm interacting with members who are asking questions or, you know, sharing some positive feedback, I, I say, how did you learn about us? And so many people still say one bad mother. And I will say it again. I know I've said it before. That in particularly in the last year, you know, with the pandemic, people reaching out to just say you're doing a good job. We appreciate you. We love these books. These books are making a difference while we're at home with our kids. It's one bad mother listener. It's people. It really was so many one bad mother listeners reaching out. Um, We had one shipment that because of the pandemic had a delay. And I remember I sent the email out and was so nervous sending it out, you know, (laughs) and and these and so many people responded, many of whom were One Bad Mother listeners, saying, I heard about you on One Bad Mother, and you're doing a good job. And oh, I mean, I just can't tell you. It's, so, yes. So 
Thank you, One Bad Mother community. I know. Um, the community is so much. It's just, they're so nice. <laughs> it's just so the nicest. And I bet, so I got, nice. I'm sure I mentioned this before, but even after being on the show when I first had Isaac, I remember so many people wrote, wrote asking questions and saying, oh, and how's the new baby? <laughs> They're so, the they're so good. We like <laughs> books and we like supporting like in the ways that we can support. Uh, so I just, I'm so amazing. glad. So how can we continue to yes. support more? So yes, of course, definitely. You know, you can go to ourshelves.com and learn more about our shelves. But there's so many other ways too. So yes, talk to your teachers. We work with schools in so many ways. We work with schools at the school district level. If you have curriculum coordinators, Mm. librarians, um, school boards, we speak to principals. Sometimes it's a team of principals. Sometimes it's the parent group, but there's a um, diversity and equity parent group. Um, So we have many different relationships in many different forms. It totally depends on the school, but we work with the school. In some schools, They just want us to send them the boxes and we just send them the boxes. Some schools want to interact more and feel like they have certain holes they really need help with. And we get on the phone with them and figure out those holes and try to help. So definitely talk to your schools, your librarians. We are trying to help. We're just trying to, there's so many people who want these books. And our assumption is the books because of systemic problems, not because of us. Because in the beginning, particularly as a parent, I just thought it was me. It's like, I'm a terrible parent. I yeah. can't show my kid books with two moms. I feel so guilty. They're going to grow up thinking everyone has a mom and a dad. You know, all these things. But that's not the case. It's not yeah. us. It is structural problems. Yeah. So that is one thing, is to remind ourselves it's not us. Structural problems we need to fix. So talk to schools, librarians, booksellers. Um, like I spoke about before, again, not just advocating for representation, but advocating for varied representation. Yeah. Um, intersectional representation. Many people live at the intersection of multiple underrepresented identities. And we work very hard to find books showing um, intersectional characters and also really making sure when we're asking and advocating in libraries, bookstores, classrooms, paying attention to who is writing and illustrating the books, making sure that we're supporting, asking, you know, if the authors, illustrators, the book creators are traditionally underrepresented identities. There's a term in the children's book world called own voices mm-hmm. that Corinne Dalvis came up with the term, but the term means that, you know, for example, if you see a book that has a black main character, it's the voices, the book is own voices if the author illustrator shares that underrepresented identity. So we very much curate looking for own voices books. So again, in your schools and libraries, ask for own voices books. Uh-huh. We also, if you go to our social media pages, our authors and illustrators, many of whom are own voices, we have videos of them sharing why they made these books. Like Angela Joy, who you just had on, which I love that interview, by the way. She's so amazing. <laughs> she she did so a video reading. Oh, She's I love so it. much fun. And all the resources at the back of that book, the poetry and the music. Oh, I know. She did a video for us reading her book. So that's another great thing is grab those videos and show them to your kids, to your classroom, so they see that they're authors and illustrators of all different types. Still, every time when I get one of those videos, I get so excited because I think of them as such, you know, gods and goddesses. And the other thing I would say is our shelves, we really continue to advocate. So whether you subscribe or not, we want to hear from you Mm. about what you are still looking for in kids' (laughs) books. So you can write to info at ourshelves.com. You can send a video 
or you can write it down, but we wanna know what you're still looking for, which characters, which types of families, what kinds of storylines, you know, does your kid really want like a dragon story and you want to see like a two dad multiracial family, you know, like whatever it is. We want to hear as specifically as Bradley. Still got to find dragons. Doesn't matter. You get two dads. Yeah, whatever it is. You know, you just tell us. And, um, and we want to keep sharing that with publishers. And also in that share, not just what you're looking for, but why it matters. You know, to the extent you feel comfortable. Do you remember the first time? if you are traditionally underrepresented, that you saw yourself in a kid's book. Yeah. What did that feel like? Or what does it feel like when you're trying to read to your kids and you can't find a book? Each bedtime, you can't find a book that represents them. Or if you're not traditionally underrepresented, why does it matter so much to you to have these books? Because there is a real expertise that comes from our lived experience that we need to connect to publishers. And again, it's not all publishers, but there are too many. I was meeting with a senior editor at a New York publisher known for diverse kids books. And when I was telling her about my own family, about how we needed just more everyday books, how it was so yeah. hard to find any book with a main character with two moms that wasn't about bullying. Um, she literally said to me, well, I don't understand. Like if the book isn't about the two moms, like what would it yeah. be about? And that's, so we need to hear <laughs> from you about what you want because it's not necessarily Dragons. obvious. It, it would Dragons. be about Dragons. Come on, everybody. <laughs> Dragons? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I know what kids like. Um, <laughs> Dragons, zombies, science, so much science. I mean, I'm glad, but God, I'm like, what am I reading right now? Anyway, <laughs> so our shelves, year two, what's What's the future look like? Do you have any thoughts on that? Because I got to tell you, I'm like, I'm ready for an Our Shelves book fair. When that thing, we need to, that needs to be your next step. We, that's funny. You know, we've actually, right before the pandemic, we were about to do our first book fair and then the pandemic hit. What a school oh my district God. asked us. Yeah. Our big push this year, there are two exciting things on the horizon for this year. So one is really strategically deploying our members' voices and stories when it comes to what we just spoke about in terms okay. of who is missing, what storylines are missing. We've been collecting this data all along, um, but now, as I mentioned, if anyone wants to share a video, we're actually going to be trying to collect more video, put it together, and really strategically deploy it with both the public, because there's still a lot of public education to do around how early yeah. bias begins. So that's one piece, is continuing to share our stories and voices in a collective way. And the second piece is we are starting to work. We've been communicating with publishers all along. And I think in the beginning, we were thinking it was much more, we would ask, you know, will you create mm -hmm. these kinds of books? And I think during our curation, as you predicted, <laughs> we have come up to certain holes that have been really hard to to fill. So for example, yeah. recently we've been really struggling finding board books, baby board books that have yeah. LGBTQ kids and families. So after, you know, two years of boxes, we're really running very low on those. So it has forced us maybe earlier than might've occurred otherwise to, I think, go a step further with publishers. So now we're talking to publishers about actual partnerships with content development. Yeah. You know, so in, instead of kind of getting information from parents, teachers, families, kind of passing it along and hoping for the best, I think now it's like, okay, how can we work together now? 
because we need these books yesterday. Yeah. On these. So, so that's the other piece, um, that we're really excited about. And one, I will share one wonderful victory story on our Yay! advocacy front, if you would like. I would love so, it. <laughs> so in terms of how our advocacy works, this is a great example. There's a wonderful publisher called Barefoot Books, and they made a wonderful board book that featured, it's called Baby's First Words, and super sweet, follows a family through their day with word identification, and it features a main character in a two-dad multiracial family, and super sweet book. And so we met with them to say thank you for this wonderful book that when we met with them, and today is still so rare to find, and we said, and... There are so many other, as you know, barefoot books, so many other identities needing these kinds of books. And I spoke about my own two-mom family and, you know, the many other holes in the marketplace. And this past year, it turns out a senior editor named Kate De Palma was in that meeting, and she reached out to us and said, we have a great book called The Bread Pet coming out in 2020. And The Bread Pet is all about how sourdough can... <laughs> Get out of control and grow and grow and grow. So it's a super silly, funny story. And it features a main character, a girl of color, and a multiracial two-mom family. And what's neat is Kate, who is also the author and who's LGBTQ, um, told us that our shelves influenced the decision for the choice of family type yes. in this book. And, and what was cool is that, again, our advocacy strategy isn't just to advocate in words, but to be there to buy the books. That's why yes. being a member of our shelves is so important, to be there to buy the books in ever-growing significant numbers. And so we then bought that book, and we have members, our membership tripled in size last year, and we have members in all 50 states and D.C. Yes! now, and we then sent that book to all of our members with our winter <laughs> book boxes a couple months ago. So that's, that's how the advocacy works. And that's a huge thank you to, you know, the One Bad Mother community that's such an important part of the Our Shelves community. And that, you know, with just two years of publishing, things take a long time. It takes books yeah. a couple of years to get published, as Angela Joy was sharing. Yeah. And it, it takes a couple of years. So in a short time in the publishing world, we're just so excited to already be seeing examples of publishers being really responsive and Ugh. wanting to hear what, you know, they're saying, what do your members want? What do you want? And then we're there to communicate that because we're hearing awesomeness from our members. And then we buy it and share it and get it to our libraries and schools. And that's, you know, that's how we'll move to this sustained, abundant outpouring of books that we deserve, but we don't yet have. I love it. I love it. Because when I get paralyzed and frozen about how to make a change or make a difference, I could buy a book. You know, like I can, I can buy a book. I can buy, what? Everybody repeat after me. I can buy three copies of that book. One for me, one for my public library, and one for my school library. All right. Allie, thank you again, not only for coming back to talk about our shelves, but for creating our shelves and sticking with our shelves. <laughs> like, you know, because sometimes we all get started on something and we're like, ugh, no thanks. Uh, so I, I gotta say, good job sticking with it. And I just wish our shelves more and more success. And, uh, you know, any way One Bad Mother can continue to support, we would be absolutely proud to do. Thank you so much for joining us again. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for everyone in this incredible community does to change the bookshelves across 
America. And also, you know, again, I just heard the Angela Joy episode. Thank you for all you're doing just to support authors, illustrators, um, book creators, everyone. You know, Teresa. Yay, Bye Teresa. Yay, we also featured Teresa's book in our box. Bye now. Um, the these are the people who are doing the real hard work of creating, you know, so much labor and love and heart goes into those. So thank you. And thank you for creating this community where people just share so much fun and authenticity. <laughs> It's been such a lifesaver this past year. Oh, it's been a horrible year <laughs> where we all needed more books. Thank God our shelves was available. Um, <laughs> all right. We will make sure that we link everybody up to our shelves, and we will continue to keep an eye out for opportunities. And I look forward to one day there being an Our Shelves book fair in my elementary school. So Yay. I look forward to that. I'm going to cross my fingers and wish for that to happen. And, you know, have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Biz. Absolutely. Bye. Bye, guys. One Bad Mother is supported in part by KiwiCo. With a KiwiCo subscription, you and your child get everything needed to create unforgettable moments shipped right to your door. KiwiCo crates are genius. We have been receiving a variety of the different types of crates that KiwiCo offers for years now. Most recently, we have been playing with the kiwi crate that was the science of trees, where you could actually set up these experiments to see how like capillaries and plants worked. And then you like could play this tree game where you're like, how do the root systems work and keep your tree balanced? It was really fun and amazing. And you can also get the kiwi coat crates as gifts. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code BADMOTHER at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com, promo code BADMOTHER. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Poof. Teresa, genius me. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God, that's fucking genius. Okay. Also, um, hello. So, hi. <laughs> I So I have a home haircutting genius. Oh. So I don't know if this happens to anyone else, but we just like don't have... We don't have the drapey, clothy mm-hmm. thing that you put around. And so no matter what my kids 
are wearing, like if it's a towel or just a shirt over a shirt or whatever shirt they're wearing or no shirt, regardless of what I do, the little clippings of hair like stick to their skin somehow and Mm -hmm. are really upsetting to them. And it's really hard to get it off and they have to take a shower and it's like a whole thing. And plus it's everywhere. And then I put it in the wash and somehow like the the little hairs are just still there Mm. afterwards. I don't know. They're like glitter. It's like glitter. It's It's a lot like glitter. glitter. I had, I inadvertently discovered a few days ago, I was giving my nine-year-old daughter Gracie a haircut and she happened to be wearing like a swimming rash guard shirt Mm. with like the high, like it kind of goes up high on the neck. You know, it doesn't yeah. go, it's not like a turtleneck, but it's like a little yeah. bit of a of a, a mock, mock turtleneck. Yeah, mock. it goes up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, the material of a swimming rash guard is repelling mm. to little hairs. So oh. when I gave her a haircut outside, it just came like all the, there was no hair sticking to her at all. It just came immediately off it just slides off the rash wow. guard it's like using one of those drapes that they use in the salon yeah. which i don't know you can probably buy online for like five bucks i don't really know i did i haven't <laughs> i don't that. want to know i don't want to know and i haven't gotten that deep into it right but we have rash guards in every size because we have three kids and we live we in southern rashy. california <laughs> That's so genius. Yay. Yeah. That is genius. It is. It is. It's very good. If it makes you feel any better, we got like a whole, you know, shaving. Stefan got like a kit at the beginning of Uh the pandemic. And by the beginning, I mean he ordered it. And then like six months later, it arrived because everybody was ordering these things. Yeah. It has one of the capey, drapey things. Yeah. And that didn't work. It didn't work at yeah. all. It keeps it off your yeah. clothes, but it doesn't like go up to your ears or something. That right. stuff's everywhere. You have stumbled on to the next great big idea, Teresa. Thank you. You're Thanks. doing amazing. I found something I hope that I can watch with Kat on our Thursday night watching shows. Okay, so if you've been listening, I've made some poor choices when it comes to screening what we watch together on our TV night. <laughs> some some bad choices with some adult content or just content I don't want to explain right now <laughs> or at Thursday nights at like eight. Yeah. So I've been making bad choices. And last night we were scanning through the Netflix and we tried Glee. And oh, yeah. Everybody, I remember everybody loving Glee. Yeah. And I remember everybody saying, you, Biz, would love the Glee. Uh-huh. And I remember being like, probably, but I think I had like a baby at that time. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. It wasn't so, the right time. It wasn't the right time. We watched the first episode. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, found many things funny that uh, they did not under they just weren't laughing about uh-huh. <laughs> you know like teenage bullying and, right in high school wow. right this is, everybody's high school wasn't like this <laughs> you all didn't like come away from it with a sardonic look at life and like how people interact oh well 11 year old so but we really enjoyed the music and i just want to warn everybody i mentioned this to gabe and he was like oh so i don't <laughs> 
don't know if that means it's going to get weird and dark and adult, like, in the next three episodes or something. But for right now, I feel like I've made a really good choice. <laughs> I think it's going to be great. Okay. They're singing. Yeah. And that makes me happy. I mean, there's... Okay, I'm not going to... Don't! No spoilers! All right. I am going to sit here and state for the record with great confidence, I've made a good choice. Ta-da. Hi, Biz and Teresa. This is one of those, I forget what you call them, simple geniuses, easy geniuses. So my toddler, who's 18 months, has recently decided that she doesn't want to get out of the car when it's time to get out. I'll park the car, get out of my side, come to her side, open the door. She looks at me and says, bye-bye, and wants me to shut the door and walk away. Obviously, I can't do that. And it's created a little bit of a power struggle, but I'm hungry and tired. I want to go inside. So last Friday, I thought of something. She loves giving the cat treats for whatever reason. So I looked at her and I asked her, do you want to give the cat a treat? And she said, yes. And she got out of her car seat with no struggles. But here's the real genius. On Monday... The second I parked the car, I heard her pipe up from the back seat, Mama, which is what she calls the cat. And I said, do you want to give the cat a treat? She said, yes. And I completely avoided the power struggle altogether. It's now Tuesday. We'll see if it works again. But either way, I'm doing a good job. And so are you. Thanks. Bye. Very good. Very good. Also. I look forward to the big happy kitty who's getting all the treats. (laughs) That cat's going to be like, you guys need to go on another errand. Yeah. And then come back. Could you do me a favor and go somewhere and come back? Just come back. But you got to go somewhere first. Yeah. Treatsies. Treatsies. Boy, going to be a big kitty. Yeah. Oh, the baby. You're doing an amazing job. Getting your kid out of the car with bribes. Yay! Failures. Fail, 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 fail! You suck. Fail me. You fail me, Teresa. Boop. Fail me. Boop, boop. (laughs) Stop poking me. I'm poking you on the nose! Boop! All right, let's just, I don't know where I am today. I don't either. For those of you who have been listening to this show for a long time, you know that I have two dogs that live in my house. Um, Coco and Sissy are the names of the dogs, and mm. they have been my dogs and Jesse's dogs since before we had kids. And they they're they're great. They're just getting old. The fail is that we have worked for years to help them get along with each other. They're both rescues and they're terrier chihuahua mixes and they have a lot of special problems <laughs> between the two of them. And I mean, it's just, it's been a long road, a lot of like working with trainers and like trying different things. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, recently, we made the decision that one of the dogs is going to live in one part of the house and the other dog is going to live in the other part of the house. And 
you know, it's not like they like can't ever see each other. Like it's an emergency if they, but we're just really keeping them separate and it's better and it's needed. Like one of the dogs is attacking the other dog and the dog that was getting attacked has like a heart problem at this point because she's really old. And so it was actually really scary every time. And I'm glad that we're doing it, but it just feels really sad because I know this is like their final years with us and like we've done everything we can do and this is just what it is. And like my dreams of like the big happy family, which to be honest have been squashed in many other ways, are also just being squashed by like who has to have two dogs that that can't be together in the family? Like that's just sad to me. So that's it. That is a deeply emotional and personal fail. That's yes. not really a fail, but I mean, it's a fail because you feel that yeah. way. Yeah. And i really sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I so badly want to tell you, though, that you're doing a good job making yeah. a really hard decision. Thank you. But I will not deny you feeling like shit for this. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. You're yep. welcome. Okay. Our school has been talking about uh, more in-person learning after spring break and as well as like a summer campy thing in person. There have been three Zoom calls to answer parent questions, give information about, you know, what they're doing, how they're doing it, all of that stuff. They have been at reasonable times. And I have missed every single one. Two of those Zoom meetings that would have been really helpful to go to started at 4 o'clock. And both of those, I remembered it at like 2 and said, aha, 4 o'clock today. At 4.45, I remember that I did not start the call, did not go, did not attend it. And uh, yeah, I just, it would have been good to go to as a person who will probably <laughs> send their kids back to in-person learning. And uh, it's gone. Those, yep. that, that opportunity's gone. So anyway, yeah, it just, it's like things don't matter anymore. <laughs> it's almost like that, isn't it? Isn't it? It's a little on it the edge. It almost feels like that. Feels a little <laughs> like that. Like it's. Is that numbness all over or just in my left hand? I don't know. I don't know. Just somebody poke me for a while and I'll tell you. Boop. Boop. <laughs> Ow. Hi, this is Teresa. I'm calling in with a fail. I have to take my kids, my oldest, in to get uh, a rapid COVID test. And, of course, it's one of the drive throughs so you, you pull up to this tent and because She's little. She's seven. She's in a car seat. I offered, I said, you need me to sit back there with her and hold her. And I said, you know, the nurses said, sure, that might be helpful. So I climbed into the back seat. Now, we live in Maryland, and it's it's cold here. It's cold. So I climbed into the back seat, and I thought, oh, I don't want to leave the door open because then, you know, it'll it'll be super cold for my toddler. So I pull her door closed behind me, and, you know, the COVID test goes fine. My seven-year-old didn't have a problem with it. And then I go to open the door to get back out. And at this point, the nurses have walked away with, with the swab. 
I go to open the door <laughs> to get out, and uh, I forgot that the kids' doors are baby locked. I can't get out. I'm stuck in the back seat. So I had to find a way to contort my body to get over the center console to get back into the driver's seat. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the nurses and whoever was waiting in line behind me was wondering what the hell I was doing, uh, trying to get out of a locked car. Uh, well, I failed. Uh, yeah, I should have remembered that before I closed the door to try to keep my children warm. I suck. <laughs> you, on the other hand, are amazing. Thanks for the podcast. Bye. Oh, yeah. Drivers behind you might have started honking at you. Mm -hmm. But I think we now remember that we assume if somebody's honking at you, they're honking at you because you were doing it. And you were definitely doing it. Yeah. In that car. (laughs) (laughs) That is, Teresa and I thought, like, you're like, listening, we're listening. And I look up at Teresa in the Zoom and, and, like, Teresa's just shaking like with a smile on her face, shaking yeah. her head. Because we yeah. all know what's coming. We know. We, we all know. know. Why do we know? Because it's happened. Yeah, because we've so locked many our times. own selves in the back of the car. <laughs> I have freed parents yeah. like from oh. this. I've like been walking like near the <laughs> elementary school. Like no, no, I no. pick up and like somebody will be back there with their It's always Baby. happens when you have an infant. Baby. They're back yeah. there with their infant like breastfeeding or feeding yeah. or whatever or changing a diaper or whatever and then they're calling for you can you the child <laughs> safety can you please somebody free oh, me that's a, and now i just want like a special suit where i'm like da, da, da. i'm here to open your door for you yeah. <laughs> yeah wow well look you're doing a horrible job mm-hmm. i you mean are. really I can't believe it. <laughs> Have you ever? You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. One by Mother supported in part by Rothy's. Rothy's shoes are designed to be incredibly comfortable with zero break-in period thanks to their seamlessly knit-to-shape design. And with so many styles to choose from, Rothy's shoes are the perfect way to add comfort to your closet. So I chose some Rothy's. I have to say it was really hard to choose because there's a lot of cute (laughs) styles, but I went with the high tops and they're really cool. I feel like they are the kind of shoe that can be a little bit dressed up, it can be casual, they're comfortable either way, which I so appreciate. I also just love that they're knit with thread from plastic water bottles. So they're ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on and that's also very eco-friendly. Plus, they're fully machine washable. You can check out all of the amazing shoes, bags, and masks available right now at rothys.com mother. That's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash mother. 
Hey, I'm Janet Varney, host of the JV Club podcast. Ah, oh, high school. Was it a time of adventure, romance, and discovery? Class of 95, we did it! Or a time of angst, disappointment, and confusion. We're all tied together by four years of trauma at this place, but enjoy adulthood, I guess. The truth is, it was both. So join me on the JV Club podcast where I invite some great friends like Kristen Bell, Angela Kinsey, Oscar Nunez, Neil Patrick Harris, and Keegan-Michael Key to talk about high school, the good, the bad, and everything in between. My teenage mood swings are getting harder to manage. The JV Club. Find it on Maximum Fun. Hey. I'm Bria Grant, an e-reader who loves spoilers and chocolate. And I'm Mallory O'Mara, a print book collector who will murder you if you spoil a book for me. And we're the hosts of Reading Glasses, a podcast designed to help you read better. Over the past few years, we've figured out why people read. Self-improvement. Escapism. To distract ourselves from the world burning down. And why they don't. Not enough time. Not knowing what to read. And being overwhelmed by the number on their TBR list. And we're here to help you with that. We will help you conquer your TBR pile while probably adding a bunch of books to it. Reading glasses. Every week on MaximumFun.org. Oh, Teresa, it is time. It is time for you and I to virtually hold hands and listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hey, one bad mother. I am calling with a rant, and I feel like I should be yelling it because that's what everyone in my house is doing all the time. I'm not in my house right now. I'm in my car. A few moments of silence. Yeah, they're, they're just yelling, just yelling all the time. Even when they're playing, they're yelling to the point where I can't tell if they're playing or if someone's actually hurt, and I go crazy going and checking on them all the time, saying, who's hurt? What's the matter? Why are you fighting? We're not fighting, Mama. We're not yelling. Oh, sounds like yelling to me. Sounds like screaming, bloody murder, actually. Screaming more than yelling. So loud. I think you should write a children's book called Never Not Loud and Other (laughs) Truths About Children. Um, Yeah. Talked to my son about it, and he said, Oh, Mama, we're not yelling. We're just talking really loudly. Mm. What? That's yelling. Okay. Well, I think I'm doing a pretty bad job, but maybe tomorrow we better. You're having a good day, and you're all doing a good job. Thanks. Okay. First of all, you're doing a great job. And I'm trying to figure out what you think you're doing a bad job at. Are you not doing good job at yelling loud? Like, should you be yelling more? Are you not yelling loud enough? Like, what's what's the bad job you're doing? I mean... There are kids in your house, and they are loud. That is something I wasn't prepared for, which I should have been, given how loud I am, like as a person, just walking mm-hmm. through the world. And they, ours are loud. And like there's sometimes Teresa and I, like we'll text each other, and I'll just say, I, it's just so loud yeah. in here. It's so loud. It's- Last night, my own eldest child. Yeah confided to me oh and she was feeling really bad about it she said um mom i don't mean to be mean but sometimes and we call 
Curtis Gaga sometimes. Sometimes Gaga's voice, even when he's not crying, even when he's just talking or playing, it makes me feel so overwhelmed. Yeah. And I just took her hands and looked into her eyes and I said, yes, yes. (laughs) That's so funny because my oldest has also said, why is Ellis so loud? Why do they have to be so loud? It makes me really anxious when they yell and they're loud. And it's like, oh. Really? I, it's so weird that that does that. Um, and then, like, at night when it's time for cats, like, bedtime routine, which is, you know, at 11, go brush your teeth. Right. They feel they have to speak the entire time as a way to avoid doing any of the things they need to do. And they're so loud because Ellis is asleep. Whoa. And so we're all just like, you have to... You have to yeah. use the nighttime voice. Yeah. And and they're like, okay. And you're like, whoa, no, that's that's not it. And also by like nine o'clock at night, we're all done with noise. I, I wanna, know. I don't want any My noise. ears like hurt they, at that point in the day. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the point that, dear sweet caller, you make about when they're playing together and then it sounds like something bad is happening. Yeah. <laughs> Ellis would have like a friend over in the pre-COVID days and when you heard yelling it was because Ellis was probably having a meltdown about something right and it'd be very loud and very upsetting yeah and then as they started making friends right a friend would come over and I would hear that yelling and I'd think oh Jesus Christ will we ever get past this and then uh, they're having fun but the the noise, yeah. the sound is yeah. almost interchangeable. And what does that do to your body? Like, oh. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It it makes my body, okay, you know, like a cartoon where somebody's caught under a large, like, Liberty Bell and somebody uh-huh. hits the bell and then it vibrates and then the <laughs> yeah. bell comes up, but they're still, like, Bugs Bunny's still vibrating yes. like that. Yes. That, except I'm being vibrated between, like, knives. <laughs> just, just an upside down bucket of knives just an upside down bucket of knives yes so <laughs> i I'll, i just want to say i think you have stumbled onto something that i believe there is enough evidence to support children always loud what was it not never <laughs> Not never, never not loud. Never not loud. You're never, they are never not loud, for sure. And you're doing a remarkable job just even staying. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, Teresa, you are also doing a wonderful job. It's so nice to see you. It's really good to see you, Biz. You are also doing a really really good job. I really appreciate that. I I just have to ask, do you I, I keep thinking about the first shows we did when the pandemic began. Because yes. we're coming up. Uh-huh. We're coming up on an official year since our schools were shut down. That's true. Again, we've said this before. I remember us talking about how different 
we might all be on the other side of this. Yeah. And I can really feel that now. I do feel different. I do feel different. It's true. <laughs> it's it, really true. Like lots of different parts of me feel different. Mm-hmm. Like I look different. I think I might sound different. I definitely feel different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge that and that yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad that what's not different is that I get to see you. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I get to see you every week. It's, That's right. It's a highlight. That is a highlight. Well, have a good week, and I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. What did we learn today, guys? Well, we learned uh, something we have learned before and is good to continue to learn, and that is diverse representation in all books is incredibly important. In children's books, and like when people say children's books, I think everybody's like, thinks of like one type of book, right? Like a picture book or, you know, Bedtime for Francis or something like that. But it's really, you know, the board books for infants and babies, for the picture books, for new reader books, to the books for chapter and for young adults. I mean, it's got to be all the way through from beginning to end one book has an impact a whole legacy of books starting from the first time a kid picks up a book and hopefully never ends because they're always picking up books that it reflects them and it reflects those around them you know i want my kids to see diversity not only in their books but in who is around them, who's at the dinner table, who's at the, you know, event that we're going to, who's at their school, who's in their friend group. I mean, I it, it should be so normal that the world is made up of such diversity. And luckily, we live in a place where that's very possible. But a lot of times, people live in communities in which diversity is not around them. And books are a wonderful way to bring that into your house if you are not currently in a place where it can be reflected in your environment. So again, Our Shelves is such an easy step. You subscribe and they do all the work and ta-da, books. Uh, If you're in publishing, you know what I'm going to say. Check them out. Use them as a resource. They're doing all the the good hard work to show that there is a need that needs to be met. And finally, you know, if you can get a subscription for your school library, for your teacher, your classroom, your friend, I feel kind of like we should be like, you know, uh, our shelf box bombing different like libraries, just like a random library, just like... <laughs> Somewhere in the United States, boom, suddenly gets a subscription from a secret admirer. Ooh, I like this. I like this. I might have to do this. That sounds like fun. What we've also learned today is that the pandemic is still here. It's been a year. Choices are not any easier to make. And in fact, suddenly options are coming back on the table. And that 
isn't necessarily helping. <laughs> and it can be kind of like, but I asked for options. Oh, wait, I now have options and I have zero idea of what to do. Right? Like, <laughs> it's, a, eh, it's okay if you ask for it and then it didn't help. That's real. It's really tough right now. We've been at this for a long time and everybody is dealing with it and being affected by it in varying degrees. And I think the best we can do is continue to go out and be mindful of each other and kind to each other and know that what works for our family doesn't necessarily work for someone else's family and vice versa, and that we should not feel bad either way about that, okay? Best you can do is make the choice that's right for you right now. And then tomorrow, if something changes, you make a new choice. But you're all doing such a good job and I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, daddy, baby, bustin' by, not throw down mama blue. Oh, said daddy, baby, bustin' by, not throw down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.